welcome Hoosier fans to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers fall on the road at Purdue 67 to 58. That drops IU to 12 and 14 and overall and 7 and 12 in the Big Ten. I'm your host Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and Kathy Amos and we're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Uh, th- this was a game where IU got off to a, a hot start. This has been the new MO for this team where they've seemed to have put the sluggish starts behind them, got up seven to nothing after Rob Finnessy made a, a free throw out of the first TV timeout. And from there, the rest of the first half, uh, were outscored 29 to 13, went into the locker room trailing by nine and ended, ended up losing the game by nine. You know, the, the offensive struggles continued, uh, with a couple long scoreless droughts or field goalless droughts. Uh, as we've become accustomed to, and um, and and as much as anything, the every time that IU had a chance to make a play that could really put some game pressure on Purdue, they always seemed to come up short. And on the other end, Purdue always seemed to capitalize. And there are probably a number of those sequences that we'll talk about uh, over the course of the show. But that was really the overarching thing that I come away with this game for. And in a lot of ways, that was a microcosm for the way the season has gone for IU when opportunities have been there, they haven't been able to take advantage and their opponents seemingly always have. And that, uh, that, that quite honestly is probably the story uh, of this season in, in so many ways. So we'll break down the rest of the game for you as we go. But with that, let's start our show the way we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier proud banner moment. Uh, and there were not a ton of, of options here. There were a couple really nice Rob fantasy drives. It was one where he, uh, the drive I talked about in the, early in the game basically got, hooked him around the shoulders and neck and he was able to finish. But the one that was more impressive uh, for me was he had a great finish. He hung in the air, finished over to the top of Zach Eady, who gave IU fits all day long on the offensive end. But I thought a couple nice drives from Rob. Uh, by the same token, there was some shot selection of his that uh, wasn't wasn't the best at times. But I think you saw another aggressive or more aggressive performance from Rob, which uh, has been a struggle. So he ended the game with 10 points, six rebounds to lead the team, and four assists to lead the team. So uh, I thought some good moments from him, some good aggressive drives. We saw that a bit in the Michigan State game, particularly early. And so I'll give uh, give that uh, drive by Rob against Edie the banner moment from today's game. And our banner moment today, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel, and they are now in their fourth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call. And with frigid temperatures starting to subside, uh, although the weather forecast for the soccer game of my daughters I'll be attending tomorrow morning in Columbus, (laughs) that's otherwise, um, in spring just around the corner, time to update your wardrobe with some comfy t-shirts and long sleeve tees. Uh, And as I mentioned, there are plenty of places where you can still keep those hoodies out for a bit longer. So make your way over to homefieldapparel.com uh, where you can find something unique for everyone, especially IU fans. And all of their apparel is printed on the softest, most comfortable, and most washable materials you'll find anywhere. Uh, in terms of suggestions, there are a number of great IU items. I know Jared uh, joked uh, about where the Purdue Championship t-shirts were today when uh, Homefield was displaying some of their IU gear. So those are out there. Uh, a lot of other schools that they've uh, continued to add. I know I referenced this before, but one of my next purchases will probably be the uh, George Washington basketball shirt that they uh, came out with recently. So lots of good stuff at Homefield Apparel. And I believe Colorado is coming up uh, this week. Uh, and, and based on that, it's obviously not just IU gear. Homefield has apparel for more than 90 different colleges and universities. We may need to update that to over 100. 
uh, and new ones are being added all the time. Their designs are so unique, interesting, and vintage that you may end up, like me or Coach, or buying shirts or hoodies for schools that you barely heard of just because you like the design. And you can always save on your home field apparel order by using the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout. It'll give you 20% off your entire order throughout the year. So go to homefieldapparel.com, load up your shopping cart, and enter ASSEMBLY20 at checkout to get 20% off. That's homefieldapparel.com. All right, it's time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Uh, Ryan, I'll throw it to you first for your for your rant. Yeah, so uh, broken record time for me. Uh, look, Indiana lost by nine, had some stretches in the second half where they thought, as Andy said, they could come back, but they lost this game in the first half. They were down nine at the half, and they shot eight of 27 from the field. They took a lead early. You know, they were up like 9-3, I think it was, and then Purdue just came storming back on him. They shot 29.6% in the first half and one of 13 from three. And uh, I'm sorry, but lose me with that. Well, we've got guys who can knock down shots. They just don't. Like, I'm no, you don't have guys who can shoot consistently. If they're not making them in the games, they can't shoot. And, and, and they can't do it consistently. I don't care if the percentage has improved this year, which after today it might drop below uh, – you know, the, the spot where we can say, well, it was a market improvement because for a couple weeks it's been dropping. Uh, but five of 23 from three in the game, I'm sorry, but you can't win modern basketball games shooting 21.7% from three, especially against a team where your best player isn't going to go off for 30 points because they've got big guys who can defend him. And I'm just, it's, it's for four years, this team has not been able to shoot consistently. And I, 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 I'm, I'm done with the excuses of, and I've heard a lot of it this week from fans being like, well, the players have to make shots. Yeah, the players have to make shots, but you also have to recruit guys who can make shots and develop guys who might be average shooters into good shooters. And that has not happened in four years. There are not consistent three-point shooters on this team. Armand Franklin is really the only guy who you feel good about shooting whenever it is. Whenever he is, Al has a higher percentage, but he's wildly inconsistent. He'll go four or five in one game and then miss seven in the next game. It, it it's Indiana is a program that's stuck in the past. It is playing in a, a style of basketball that is stuck in the past. You look at the way Indiana plays offense right now. It has been for the last couple of weeks. Whenever something gets going well in a pick and roll with Trace Jackson Davis, they go away from it and start doing other things. And I don't understand why that was a wrinkle. They added to the offense that has worked when nothing else has and Archie Miller went away from it today for long stretches. Robbie Hummel, a Purdue guy, is on the broadcast saying, why aren't they doing that? Purdue can't guard it. Why aren't they doing it? And they're not doing it. And, and it makes no sense. And then when you go into the fact that now Indiana has lost five straight games to end the season, and in the last three, they haven't topped 60 points. At 57 against Michigan, 58 against Michigan State, and now 58 against Purdue. The offense is a disaster and has been a disaster for four years. It has not improved. It has not gotten better. And someone has to answer for that. And it's not kids not making shots. If you don't have guys who can't shoot consistently, find a way to do something else. But when you're launching 23 threes and you're making five of them, that's a bad game plan. And so I, I just don't know where you go with this team. You either need to change the players somehow or it's time to blow this up. And, and and it seems like, again, think the basic things about this team and this program have not improved in four years. And it can't be as simple as, well, the players need to play better. Well, who's in charge of adding those players, of developing those players, and of keeping those players around when they don't play well 
or, or keeping them on the court when they're not playing well. So you all know what my stance is. I've written about it a number of times, but I just feel like we're at a point where we're banging our heads against the wall and it's a broken record and we're seeing the same thing. And I don't see how it gets better next year when you lose your best player and you don't import somebody. There's nobody coming in that's going to be a massive game changer. Logan Duncan's a nice kid and, he, and he's a nice player. And I think he's going to be a good four-year player at Indiana, but he's not going to dominate as a freshman. He may not even start. So where, where's the improvement going to come from? And so that's my question as you move forward. You've, you've now lost to Purdue. You haven't beaten Purdue since 2016, and your head coach is 0 of 7 against them. And every time we play, it looks like JV versus varsity, as, as Jared texted to us today. So I, I just, I'm done with it. I'm over it. I'm over watching the same thing over and over. And, and the problems are there and they're obvious and they don't get fixed. So I don't know where to go on, guys. I don't know where to go from here. Yeah. Inside the hall had a tweet in the first half. The, the quote, players have to make shots can only be used as an excuse for so long. Players haven't made shots for four seasons because I know Robbie Hummel pointed out in the broadcast. I mean, they're getting decent shots. I mean, but wide open shots getting airballed, hitting the backboard on the other side of the basket. Just, you know, different stuff like that. And I, and I think the, the JV versus varsity thing, it, it, like Purdue didn't play well for large stretches. Not at all. This was this a C minus game. game from Purdue. Yeah, they I mean, played well in a couple stretches, and and that was enough against what IU was able to provide today. So, all right, well, let's keep uh, – one, keep... one last thing I want to point out is that guys didn't hit shots thing works in one bad game. It works in one bad game. It doesn't work for four years, and and that's my point in the end is, yeah, there are games where you don't hit shots and you lose, and, and you just throw your hands up and say whatever. When you consistently can't do it for four years, that, that excuse no longer holds water. I'm sorry. All right, let's continue to move the ball, find the open woman this time, and uh, Kathy Amos has joined us once again. So, Kathy, uh, thoughts on, I just saw you take a really deep breath, so what are your thoughts on the game today? <laughs> I'm trying to collect myself. My my husband watches all the games with me, whether he wants to or not, I'm not sure, but he watches all the games with me, and he says to me, gosh, I really don't envy you going on the, the show <laughs> after that. Oh, opening thoughts. I'll try to keep this short. I mean, Ryan said it all, right? Uh, so my word for this game is deja vu. I mean, you said broken record, but man, I am sick and tired of losing to Purdue. And, and this is just deja vu all over again. So uh, you actually said a word too, Andy, in your opening comments that I had written down that I wanted to, to repeat, which is that first eight minutes was a microcosm of our entire season. We, we came out hot. We came out with great defense intensity and um, we're up. Going into that first media timeout, six to nothing. It's like, all right, we got it rolling. Um, media timeouts over. We come out, no changes, right? So it's finally no changes to the to the lineup. And I thought, great, finally we're we're rolling with the guys that are that are coming in, are starting hot for us. And then um, Painter puts in Edie and puts in Wheeler, and we just had no answer for for either one of them. And they went on a nine nothing score from their bench, outscoring us to completely take over that game. And, and, and that was a, nothing. We, we can't, we can't go anywhere. We can't get back in it. We finally, and I'm sure we'll break down, you know, the, the time when Galloway hit that three and that, that stretch after that, but we, we just couldn't get over the hump again. And it was the same thing in the first game we played them. It was the same thing in the last four games. We had decent defense. I mean, Purdue only put up 67 points and this was a winnable game. This was an absolutely winnable game. And we just could not hit the side of a barn with a cannon. It was just awful. Um, it, I'm, I'm tired of it, too. I'm tired of watching mediocre basketball from our team. Um, 
and it, it's been there all year. And I, and I get also tired of watching other programs that are coming on at the right time. You have March coming in. We're March 6th, right? And you, we should be playing our absolutely best basketball. And instead, I'm watching Michigan State make, play great basketball. And I'm watching Purdue play good basketball, which made, made me throw up a little in my mouth saying that. But it, it is what it is. And we have all these teams that are coming on fire. And I, I think we're playing worse now than we did six weeks ago. And I'm just absolutely, I'm tired of it. And it's been a deja vu game after game here the last, even some of the games we won, it's been sad. <laughs> so I don't know what else to add on from what you guys have already said That's uh, that we haven't said for the last, I don't know, three, four weeks. So All right. Well, I think we're all I'll, done I'll here. Back Good. You no, we're <laughs> now. Uh, no, so I, 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 I just can't get over some of the, the stretches where – Again, IU had chances to to get back in the game, and so there was. I'm going to go through a few of these, painful as they may be. There was it was 13 to 11 in the first half. They had a high low lob to Geronimo that would have been a, a dunk. Um, Trace just missed it. Didn't think he had the angle. Did I don't know what. Didn't throw the pass. Doesn't matter what. Um, Al took kind of a wild turnaround with the shot clock running out there, and then IU gives up a three on the other end. Um, you got another sequence toward the end of the half. Leal gets a wide open three in the corner, misses it. Stefanovic, I think, goes attacks Leal on defense, hits a step back three. Um, and even even you know down the stretch, it's twenty nine twenty. I use got a little momentum with the ball, maybe going into the locker room because they didn't let Purdue score toward the end. Trace turns, throws a pass into the third row. Um, the Galloway three. This one was the the big one to me. He hits a three to make it thirty five thirty one. IU gets the ball back. Al goes in trying to drive to get a foul called that has rarely been called in his four-year career at IU. Purdue goes down, hits a three on the other end, and, you know, and then there's another one. IU down seven. Trace gets a shot right at the rim, misses. Edie then goes down, scores inside. Then they call the tech uh, on the IU bench, apparently. And just so many of those, and there are probably others. Those are just the ones that I wrote down, you know, in, in a certain section of the notes I took during the game. It's just maddening to watch – not only IU not be able to execute in those key situations where they have a chance to get momentum, but also then to let down on the other end and let the mistake be capitalized upon by allowing Purdue to score. And I think so much of that goes back to what you talked about, Kathy, with the team doesn't feel like they're playing better than they were before. And to me, that's a huge mentality thing. I think they just have no confidence in themselves and, and at times do very little to give themselves that confidence. But, it just the air goes out of their sails so quickly when they make a bad play in a key situation and then just compounds itself almost immediately on the other end. It's not really a question or lead in to much of anything, but to me, like as we think of storylines from the game, like that repeated pattern of things happening is my biggest takeaway from this game and probably from this season. Um, but it just seemed like it happened so many times today, again, in a game that Purdue didn't play all that well for large stretches. And IU just could not take advantage. I mean, that's just a statement, Andy. I mean, and and it's it's hard to argue with it. But I mean, there's nowhere to go off of that. It, it's just it's been all season. It's been they get a little momentum, they do something stupid, and they give momentum right back to the other team. The Al layup was the perfect example. I mean, they'd cut it to four. And Al comes driving off the end and he does this. He does this almost like he's diving horizontally like Superman trying to flip it around. And by doing that, you take yourself out of the play defensively. And so he's under the basket stanchion 
and Purdue's running up the court for an easy three. And it's like, that's your senior leader at guard, you know? And I like, I love Al. I mean, he's a great kid, but after doing that four times, maybe you don't do it anymore. And it's been, I mean, we see that it feels like once a game, he does that cutting through the lane and just kind of diving, trying to get a foul diving and just flipping it up. And it's, that changed the momentum of the game. It went from being a four-point game to nine in the snap of a finger. And it's just, it's stupid basketball. It's just stupid basketball. I mean, it's we've got to be smarter than that. And and quite frankly, that comes down to the coaching staff. It's You've got to make these guys better. You can't let them keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again without improvement and expect things to get better across the board. So... I, you know, I don't know. I, I just, again, it's it's hard to really come up with talking points after this because of the same thing we've been saying all year. This is not a good basketball team, and quite frankly, it should be. Given the collection of players and giving their time in the system, this should be a good basketball team, and it's not. And 12 and 14 is not acceptable. Simple. Kathy, any, any thoughts on those sequences of of? Just kind of compounding errors, if you if you will. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, nothing else to really add, Andy. I had all of those um, written down as well. Uh, um, boy, you know, it's just like forty seconds left in the in the first half, and Race missed a three, and TJD tapped it out to him. I'm like, oh, this is great, right? We're gonna get some momentum here. They called timeout. We come out of the timeout, um, and we come back in and and immediately leads to a miss. I mean, it's just, they got a good look out of that too. And that was what, it, so let's, so let's maybe go there. I'll, I'll throw this to you. It seemed like they had some things working with trace in the first half. And I know Robbie Hummel talked about this a lot. They had some good things on pick and roll because that was really where the advantage was from, you know, with they, they failed to take advantage of Edie because he's slow footed because he's a giant. Um, but when they would put him in ball screen situations, like he, he had a real tough time covering it and they seemed to get away from that. That play at the end of the half was one where they got traced the ball at the free throw line and let him drive left and kind of cleared, you know, pretty much cleared things out. He missed the shot, but it at least gave IU an opportunity. It, it just felt like even when they found something that was working offensively, they entirely went away from it in long, long stretches where at least that was a chance to, because I was getting punished by whoever Purdue had inside. At least you've got to make them work and play a bit more defensively. So Kathy, you, I'll throw that to you first. Cause you kind of spurred that thought in me with, with thinking back to that end of end of the half play. Yeah. I felt like they didn't use TJD enough, right? He had nine field goal attempts, not, not makes attempts in, and again, and finished up with only 12 points when, you know, he's been averaging close to 20. So, um, Missed that one. Yeah, I felt it was a, a makeable one, but I absolutely agree. I, I think they had things that they could have done more inside. I understand they, you know, points in the paint um, was like 32 to 28. So it was still pretty even, but I think we could have done more there. And they, they absolutely um, went away from it, even though it was working. So, um, yeah, that that's pretty much my thought. Um, Edie, though, yeah, he... I don't, we didn't have much of an answer for him. You know, like I said, he came in off the bench and immediately between him and Wheeler scored nine points in that first, or that right after that first media timeout. Um, and Edie ended up with 20 points um, for their, for their bench. So I, and again, I know we'll get into this in the stats, but yeah, we just went away from, from it. And we just didn't have any answer to any, any changes that Painter made after that opening, you know, four minutes of play. 
Um, and we take things that we have, it's not working and we keep doing them. We have things that are working and we go away from it. It's again, back to my, my opening <laughs> statement. It's just deja vu. Or like Ryan said, it's just a broken record. It's the same thing we've been seeing all year. Yeah. The other, so the other you know, big storyline, if you look at the stats and not to hit stats too early, I mean, bench points 33 to six in favor of Purdue. Um, and 20 granted 20 of that was, was Zach Eady, but they, they didn't play, you know, Trayvon Williams only played 19 minutes in the game and it wasn't that he was necessarily ineffective. Well, he was ineffective from a turnover perspective. He did have five turnovers. Uh, I thought you did an effective job of doubling him and, and forcing him to catch the ball out far enough on the floor but Edie was eight of ten from the floor, four or five from the line, nine rebounds, and you know, I you I, I really struggled with him. And again, they didn't try to punish Purdue for playing him by attacking him on the other end in in areas where he was deficient. Um, Wheeler came in had eight points. I feel like he always plays good against IU. Um, and then I think Newman had you know he ended up with five points, six rebounds, and you know so. But IU on the flip side of that gets three points from Geronimo, who I thought had some some good stretches that we'll talk about. Three points from Galloway when he took you know took a three, um, and and it was, a it miracle was kind of a no 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 yes. Although there was one immediately <laughs> after that that like after a whistle somebody kicked it out to him and he shot another one like that wouldn't count. That one went in too. He he later took another one that. Uh, from another missed. point on the floor. So maybe he's yeah. just working on that one spot and yeah, then he'll just move exactly. an inch over and yeah, work so on that get, and move an inch over. And. Yeah, I you you know, I use playing four freshmen off the bench, but they're you know, Purdue's playing a lot of freshmen too, and they get six points out of those guys. You know, Leo only plays three minutes, Lander only plays eight, Geronimo plays nine. You know, we we keep hearing these refrains about wanting to play these guys more, and then for the most part, other than Galloway, that didn't really happen. Uh and was just another area where from a depth perspective perspective, IU got exposed. And, you know, just kind of add it to the laundry list of things. And as you think about playing this forward, what what is there for, you know, thinking about next season and, and all those kinds of things? I don't know that I totally understand not playing some of those bench guys more, given that a lot of the starters weren't playing all that well. Ryan, thoughts on the, the way the bench may- was used and some of those guys were inserted in the game? There was no sense to it. I don't know. Like, I mean, Leo, in a game where you can't shoot, played three minutes. Like I, I realize he he shot two threes because I think that he's at the point where like well when I get it I'm just going to shoot because whether it's open or not one of them was open and he missed it another one he threw up real fast because it, the only way he's going to get on the floor is if he starts knocking down shots so he's going to take him any chance he gets I get the mentality from him but you know you you couldn't shoot in this game you have one guy you know is a good shooter and has good shooting form and all of that stuff and you played him three minutes I don't get it. Lander was a minus 12. He really struggled today, and he struggled with the athleticism of, of Purdue's defenders. And look, Purdue, here's the thing, is they get up into you defensively, and they pressure the ball, and they pressure cuts. And and the offense is doing this thing now where they're either all up at the top doing dribble handoffs, which are easy to pressure if you're defending because you know they're coming, or they spread out wide to the corners and those passes are really easy to deflect. And Purdue deflected about six of those today from the top of the key to almost like the far wing. And, you know, you're putting the freshmen in a position where if you put them in when they're running that kind of spread to the offense, you're putting them in positions where they're going to turn the ball over because they're not, their passes aren't going to be as crisp. They're not going to be as quick. They're going to wait for guys to get open before passing instead of leading them, things like that. And so you're putting them in bad situations. And, and the freshmen combined for five turnovers of the team's 12 today. And 
you know, that that's completely expected because you're playing a high pressure defense and you're not putting the freshmen when they come in in situations where they can succeed. And you look at it, Lander was minus 12, Galloway was minus 14 today. I mean, those are your worst two players today from a plus minus perspective. And, you know, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that, well, they're not playing because they're not succeeding. Well, you're putting them in positions where they're not going to do good things. And, you know, Galloway played played 18 minutes and, and it was very up and down. He had he had one really nice assist on a three to, to rob. But then, you know, he's driving into lanes and jumping and making jump passes or dribbling right into a defender and getting it stolen from him. I mean, I just think that he's at a position right now where he's mentally not sort of doesn't have a game plan when he's out there and just kind of freestyles and sees what happens. And and that's been that way for a few weeks ever since he came back from the back injury. So yeah, you're not playing them, but you know, it's like, they're not playing well when you play them, but they're not playing well when you play them because you're not putting them in positions to succeed. And that's my problem with, with the freshman usage right now. And, you know, with, with Armand out, you're, you're not having Hunter come off the bench either. So you're not getting any burst off the bench. Yep. Kathy, any thoughts on the on the freshman before we take a break? On the freshman, uh, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I, I I was surprised, you know, it didn't seem like Leo maybe had the 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 game wasn't coming to him again. But you play him three minutes, he's it's not going to, and you have to at some point give him a chance to be able to shoot more than two shots, and it makes make some of them too. Um, the thing for me that stuck out among all the freshmen was probably for Lander, and, and I've seen this in other games, but I really noticed it on two back-to-back possessions, was he came down with the ball, Trace came up to set a screen for him, and I felt like Lander was rubbing off of it too far away. Like he wasn't rubbing off of it, I guess I should say. And there was about a foot or so, and then Trace would, you know, roll, and Lander made two bad passes back-to-back. And um, I might have actually been within the same possession um, the first one, but luckily Trace was able to get the ball back, even back to Lander, and the second one turned to a turnover. Um, to me, I think, again, that's coachable, and, and I, I don't understand why I'm still seeing it because I've seen it from him in, in previous games. So that seems like you you got it. <laughs> Shoot, I only played through high school, and I was taught you rub off those screens really hard to, to try to minimize the space between you and the, the person screening for you. And I think there was a good foot and a half between him and Trace coming off of those. So that really kind of bothered me to continue seeing that because it's really putting, putting them into a very bad position offensively. And then, um, like I said, it led to a turnover on that. Um, Geronimo, hundred percent agree. I, I, on him, I, I thought he had some moments that really stuck out that, that were nice that, um, 634 left in the game and he had a nice deal, um, that's, uh, that we, you know, ended up leading to two points for us and got us back within five. I'm not sure, Andy, if you mentioned that in one of your your long list of times where we were was, like, oh, there was too many. So I lost track. I may have mentioned that one. I don't remember. <laughs> right. So, so maybe that was in there. I'm not sure. But um, so that was one moment in, in particular for Geronimo that really struck out Trey absolutely up and down. Um, he had that nice three pointer that. Um, went in and he had the not so nice three pointer that um, didn't quite go in had that turnover. I mean, he does that a lot, right. Where he drives the baseline and gets up in the air. And I mean, I knew that was coming that pass. So of course I'm sure Purdue guys are watching any, any film before this game. They know that Trey does that. So um, to me, I, I thought overall they were okay, but yeah, would we get six points from them? It's just not enough when you only have nine, nine guys to play. Yeah. Yeah. I think they baited him into Galloway that second one where he 
he had driven one, had a nice pass on the baseline, and then it felt like the next one they baited him into it, and I think it was Newman came back and uh, and, and grabbed it. Yeah, what you mentioned on the screens was interesting. I noticed that too, and I think Coach Marlowe even said something about that after the Michigan State game, where they're just leaving too much room and not really getting, you know, not taking advantage of what that is designed to do, where you're you're not forcing the defender to really do anything all that different because you're not running them into the screen. But all right, well, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we will break down, continue our breakdown of IU's 67-58 loss at Purdue. We'll point out some meaningful moments you might have missed and then go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hi, this is Jawan Morgan. What's the only thing better than getting IU's first triple-double in 47 years? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. And welcome back to the assembly call IU postgame show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips. And uh, I didn't pick the Jawan Morgan one specifically for this purpose, but... uh, (laughs) And while she was not mentioned by name, huge Juwan Morgan fan, Kathy Amos, uh, is here with us. And we're breaking down IU's 67-58 loss at Purdue. And it is time for... Meaningful moments that you might have missed. Quite honestly, I used up a lot of the things that I had put for meaningful moments that we might have missed with all those... uh, Yeah. uh, All those those plays that I talked about. There were certainly a a bunch of those. There, There was one... Uh, early in the game where IU got some offensive rebounds. It was a play that race saved a possession uh, on an offensive rebound and I think ended up getting the ball back and actually scoring the basket. It was, uh, I think it was the third possession of the game as I, as I look back at it here, I thought Geronimo also had some, uh, you know, some hustle plays and, and was able to keep some balls alive and probably a good a segue as any to, to look at those guys who did some of the little things race ends up with four points, three rebounds, two assists, uh, only played 22 minutes, uh, managed to not get hit in the face again, but did turn his ankle. Um, yeah, although I think he did actually he came get back. a little bit hit in the face. He came back a little bit from the ankle. Um, and then it, left. Yeah, yeah. must have started swelling. Yeah, they went a little bit small there. I think with how Purdue was playing, um, they, they went a little bit more small with Hunter at the four. So uh, Race did have that. Geronimo, as we, we mentioned before, ends up 3 of 4 from the free throw line after coming in, I think, 2 of 14. Uh, or something like that coming into the game, and the two that he hit in the second half were like, were like, how in the world? Yeah, like how in the world did this guy shoot this badly from the free throw line? The the second couple were uh, were beautiful, and I th- I thought you know both those guys kind of for the role that they're asked to play, you know, gave some good minutes, created uh, you know created some things defensively and and with race on the offensive glass. Um, so I thought those were were some good things. Uh, Geronimo, it, the only player, the only player who was a positive for Indiana today, plus three, only player in yeah. not only nine minutes, but still plus three. Still, yeah, you take what you take what you can get. Um, 
And uh, let's see, I had that. I'm trying to see if I had any other moments down here that were are in line with those. But yeah, I really thought Geronimo, to circle back a little bit to what we talked about before, I was surprised he didn't get you know more minutes. I thought he played well, especially with race hampered. He, if nothing else, he's just active. And the other thing that Geronimo did that I really liked, it was toward the end, uh, Al got fouled. He like sprinted across the floor to go like help Al up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a little thing, and maybe for that reason, it's the, you know, meaningful moment that you might've missed, but I thought, uh, Geronimo gave some, uh, you know, gave some positive minutes and he's in, in small doses, been able to play well. And, uh, I think you, you see some good things is what he could develop into, uh, in the future. Um, you guys have any, any moments that you had jotted down that you wanted to talk through? Well, you stole mine with the Al layup miss because that, it, you know, in the first segment, I, I mean, that was a huge turning point in the game. Four points, momentum, had just grabbed a really nice rebound, bring it down, and you had some things working offensively, and he goes and does that five-point swing the other the other way with a three-pointer, and after that, it never really got close again. I, I just think that that was with 13, 20 left. By about 10 minutes, you were down 12, and you can't shoot threes consistently, so how are you coming back from that? Down 12 with 10 minutes left if you can't make shots. How are you going to come back? Are you going to chip away with a, a post play every single time down the floor that takes 20 seconds to get into? I mean, it's at that point, the game was over. And, you know, it got tighter and then expanded, tighter, expanded. But at that point, you've got to beat them by 13 points to win the game over the last 10 minutes. You're not going to outscore Purdue the way Indiana was playing offense by 13 points in 10 minutes. Yeah. Kathy, any, any moments that you uh, you had jotted down? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, none that we haven't talked about already. I think the biggest one that I really wanted to make sure to get in is to talk about the Geronimo steal that I did already, which again, I was like 634 to go. Um, I, I don't know that I mentioned and just to remind everyone that did lead, not just as the steal, it led to him getting fouled on the other end and he made both the free throws, which yeah, they looked really nice today. Right. He was three for four from the line. So that was, that was neat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those look great. I mean, and we've seen him show a little bit of uh, ability to make threes and it. um, So, you know, hopefully that bodes well for what his shooting can be uh, as we go forward. You know, the other one, and I don't I don't remember if I mentioned this before, you know, it's 57 50 down the stretch. Uh, Finnessy took a three really early. I think there was less than two minutes left, but probably enough time where you could you could try to get a better look than that or get that look within the flow of the offense. Um, You know, they end up he misses, they foul Purdue and Purdue shot free throw as well. I think with the exception Hunter might've missed a couple down the stretch, but they closed the game out at the free throw line. I just thought that was another place where, again, I think it's the team struggling to walk the line from a decision-making standpoint of, of when to really be aggressive and when not to. And Rob, you know, for, I think the second straight game led IU in field goal attempts. And, and it's something where I, I like that he's, getting the confidence to take some of those shots where he was passing up open shots. But I thought that was a case where what IU needed in that moment was potentially to, to try to, you still could get the ball inside. If you act quickly trace at that point was really trying to make quick moves when they got it into him or, or work, you know, just work the ball, not work the shot clock, but try to you know move the ball a little bit better. I thought that was another one where a shot goes in. It's great. He's hit a ton of big shots, but just from a decision-making standpoint, I think another one that was a little bit emblematic of, of things that have plagued the team over the course of the year. Um, you know, Ryan, what do you, you, you know, what do you kind of make of, of that, uh, of Rob, you know, leading the team in shots the last two games, which is, 
you know, kind of odd just based on where he was and being so reticent to shoot at other points. I, I, it just seems like an odd mix and an odd development for, you know, admittedly a two-game sample size down the stretch. Yeah, we've heard from Archie Miller that he's told Rob, I don't care how many you miss. I want you aggressive, and and I don't care if you miss shots. And so maybe that's finally getting through, and I get that mentality from Archie because when Rob is passive offensively, it's really bad for Indiana. Now, his aggressiveness helps sometimes, but also going four of 13 and one of seven from three doesn't really help that much. you know. And you saw moments from Robert. It was like, oh, that was a nice play. But it wasn't consistent today. He didn't turn the ball over, and he had four assists. And I know this game is very important to him because he's from Lafayette. But, yeah, it's just a mixed bag. And I think with with fantasy and with all these guards, you're just getting Jekyll and Hyde performances, and you never know what to expect from them. And and we decried Devontae Green for years about he'd play great in one game and disappear for five. I'm not sure how much how much that's changed this year with these guards. I mean, it was it was more demonstrable with Devontae because he'd scored 25 and hit a bunch of threes in a row and play out just out of his mind and then be in another game where he wouldn't score. He'd go 0 of 8 and turn the ball over six times or whatever. So it was more of a wide berth there of what you were going to get, a wide gulf between good Devontae and bad Devontae. But, you know, with fantasy and Durham and – and and these guys this year, it's been just as up and down and, and crazy and unpredictable. It's just been they're never going to score 30 points in a game is the only difference. And and so, you know, this this schizophrenic guard play continued for Indiana this year, although we thought that, well, they'd be more solid after Devontae Green leaves. And that has not been the case. And and Rob being aggressive again, I I understand it. And I think that it's better to have him being aggressive than not. But at the same time, there are some shots he shouldn't take. I mean, there were a couple times he there was one time he pulled up for a floater from 15 feet. And it's like, Rob, what are you doing? There's a seven foot four guy in front of you. You're going to short arm this shot. I mean, you could see it clear as day and it was about a foot short. And and then, you know, there were a couple of times he pulled up for a three where he wasn't set and just launched it. And I get there wasn't a whole lot going on in offense. But that's not the shot you want to take. And so. It's a mixed bag. It really is. I, I, I'd rather him be aggressive than not, but it, it's still the res, it's not like the results are, are are jumping off the page. All right. Well, let's now go inside the numbers. I guess. I uh, guess. <laughs> <laughs> we look at the game. Uh, you know, I mean, we talked about the bench points already. That one was big. You know, Purdue turned the ball over fifteen times. Uh, that led to uh, fourteen IU points off that. Purdue actually had more points off of you know three fewer IU turnovers as. Uh, as much as that's kind of been harped on, you know, rebounding was uh, a mismatch. Purdue gets 37 to IU's 24. Part of that is IU missing so many shots. There's a lot of defensive rebounds to be had there from uh, Purdue's perspective. Points in the paint, Kathy touched on this earlier. We're, we're pretty even, Purdue 32 to 28 for IU. And and ultimately, IU shot free throws relatively well for the game, and uh, they were 3 of 8 at one point. I think they made their last 10, if I'm remembering yeah. that correctly, um, ended up. Thirteen in that second half and free throw. So at yeah. least they made him, I guess, when it yeah. when it counted the most. Yeah, <laughs> and ultimately, you know, when you look at it, it's this was a, a game about IU's offense. For Purdue made free throws down the stretch, but yet still with that gave up sixty seven points. You would have been in the game in a in a not great performance from Purdue, but IU shoots twenty of fifty two from the floor for the game, thirty eight and a half percent. That was actually uh, a second half where they shot forty eight percent, brought that up. 
Uh, Three-point shooting, IU 4 of 10 in the second half to make that a respectable 5 of 23 for the game, I guess. Not really respectable. The respectable? Of, the 4 of 10 was re- – sorry, the 4 of 10 was four, respectable. Four, the, five of, okay, yeah. the 5 of yeah. 23 was not. Um, but yeah, <laughs> one half. of yeah, – Indiana, one of, here's the thing. One of 13. Indiana, yeah, they got in a little bit of rhythm in the second half offensively, but yeah. the first half they dug themselves such a big hole that it was just too much. Well, they shot 48% in the second half, and it's like you shoot 48% in the Big Ten in the second half against the team – You'd expect to be playing really well and, and potentially winning, but you know, Purdue also shot 48%. So they weren't doing anything defensively to dissuade Purdue. And I mean, Purdue only shot two of eight from three in the second half. Indiana got very lucky that they missed a lot of open shots. This could have been a 15 point game easily if Purdue knocks down a few of those open shots. Yeah, I mean, to me, this yeah, that the biggest thing to me is how poor IU shot the ball. And then if you look at the shot distribution, Trace took the fourth most shots on the team. Now, granted, yeah. not by a wide margin, and it was fairly evenly distributed. Fennessey took 13, Al took 11, Hunter took 10, and TJD took 9. But again, I think it goes back to the overall point of not really being able to take advantage of the of where Trace would have an advantage over the Purdue bigs, and he ends up with 9 shots, and um, overall the team shoots it really poorly. So any of those numbers uh, jump out to you? I mean, it, it, I, Indiana got... Indiana got massacred on the boards. It was 37 to 24. I mean, just crushed. And I think that's a big one. And and that's, you know, some of that is they're bigger than Indiana, but at the same time, there, there were so many loose balls that Indiana didn't get to today. And Purdue is always going after them. And then I think the, the last part for me is they scored on 0.892% of their possessions. And which is uh, for those non stat heads like me, that that's not good. Not so. good. Not good. Kathy, what about you? The one that we haven't talked about that sticks out, and we I think I might have touched a little bit, is just the bench points, right? I mean, 30, 33 to 6. And yeah, okay, you can say we got a short bench. Well, they only played nine nine dudes as well. So it wasn't like they played more guys than us. Uh, it's just their bench was way far superior than than ours today. And um, um, that, that was one in particular um, – I think, Ryan, you mentioned early on that you felt we lost this game in the first half. So I had wrote down a few of the first half stats that just to kind of repeat before um, we really just go cry ourselves to sleep, I guess. Um, again, bench one to 12. We had one point. Purdue had 12 in the first half. One of 13 or 13 uh, are on three pointers. Um, TJGD had only two of five on field goals. And I wrote down them. He needs more touches. He only got four more the rest of the game. It just wasn't enough. And then really you, you mentioned this a little bit that, that the turnover discrepancy was interesting to me in that first half. Purdue had eight turnovers in that first half, but it only led to six points, which just absolutely highlighted our lack of ability again and again to score. So those are some of the, at least first half um, stats to me that really stuck out in addition to the ones you already talked about. Yeah, kind of a sneaky thing about this Indiana team because there are so there are so many flaws that we mention and we talk about all the time that this kind of gets washed over. They're really bad in transition. They're really bad at finishing in transition. They're really bad at making passes in transition. They're really bad at finding the open guy when it's a three on two or a three on one. They just make poor decisions with the basketball, and I mean that translates to the whole game. But in transition, it has stood out to me especially because. You've got guys like Al who has no fear driving and going in. You've got Armand who's gotten better, gotten much better. And you've got a guy like TJD who runs the floor pretty well, and yet they can't finish in transition. It's puzzling to me. And you added Lander too, and and who's supposed to be this open court player. And 
they really are bad in tra- on in transition offense, like really bad. This this game featured a whopping total of six total fast break points between both teams. So yeah, I mean Purdue quite, was some opportunities too. Quite like, the they, advertisement they, they, for Big Ten basketball for sure. Uh, the, yeah. other, the other stat Fair. I want to talk about is just to just to hit uh, individually on Jerome Hunter because we really haven't talked about him. He ends up with twelve points. He was one of six on threes and four of four on twos. He had a couple dunks where he made nice cuts along the baseline. Uh, hit another uh, shot in the post where he banked one in. He most. There were a couple of his threes that I thought were forces, but I thought overall he took uh, took reasonable shots. Um, made an and one was one of the other uh, plays that he made. I thought he he gave some decent minutes and some decent offense for IU, and uh, and played relatively well. Just as a guy that we we haven't talked about and has continued to uh, feel like he's continued to improve a bit over the course of the season, or at least get back to himself. Uh, I thought the baseline dunks were were really good and and based off some nice cuts from him because IU was able to have some success. In the second half, going down the uh, going down the baseline. So, yeah, that, those dunks are high percentage points or baskets yeah. right there. So we yeah, need we're yeah. so bad at layups. <laughs> for anybody to shoot every... four of four on anything yeah. for this team at this point feels like a, a godsend. So I think we uh, yeah. yeah you know go up and dunk the ball. I mean that's uh, yeah, like, exactly. like the highest percentage shot we can do. Let's just stick to that. <laughs> five of six on dunks for Indiana and uh, five of seven on layups. So you know. The fact that they only got seven is the problem here, not the percentage. Yeah, Fair. for a team that wants to play inside, that is the uh, that is the issue for sure. All right, all right. Well, we're going to take another break here, and uh, when we come back, we will uh, wrap up our discussion of this game. Uh, we'll hand out our game balls, hit any lingering storylines, and then look ahead to what's next for IU. That'll then it's time for last call. That's all next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Go Hoosiers! You're listening to The Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have already subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. Again, that's IU to 66866. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, here with Ryan Phillips and Kathy Amos, and we are breaking down Indiana's 67-58 to loss at Purdue. And now it's time for game balls, uh, which uh, sometimes in games like this, I believe the first Purdue game, no one got one. Uh, so we'll see, uh, we'll see what we do here. Uh, Ryan, I'll, uh, I'll throw this one to you first. I won't put our, I won't put Kathy on the spot like that, uh, to, to give this one her first. Uh, I'm going to give it to Al 14 points, led the team two rebounds, two assists two D have two turnovers. We had a block in 36 minutes. He was minus one, which was the best among the starters tied with Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, it's Al's last regular season, big 10 game. And I, I thought that of the guys on the floor, he probably had the best game. 
uh, Trace really was a non-factor for long stretches because of their size. It was Purdue's size inside. So uh, I'm going with I'm going with Al if I got to give one. Uh, I, I, you know, losses to Purdue. I think we should withhold the game ball, but I think it's fair to give one to Al in his last Big Ten game. Kathy, what are your thoughts? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> uh, you know what? Um, I've been, we've been saying all year about guard play just not being there. Not that I would say this was exactly what we were looking at for the guards, but at least Alan Rob um, combined for 11 of our 20 first half points. So, so there's that. Um, so I totally understand Al. Uh, I actually am going to give mine to Rob. Uh, not so much because I thought his game um, was a whole lot better than Al's per se. I mean, he had 10 to his 14. I liked his aggressiveness. And that's one thing I've been wanting to see from Rob all year. And I felt like uh, I thought we got more of that. There were definitely some questionable shots from Rob, but if I'm, <laughs> if I'm going to get um, Rob that is driving the ball, like he did um, had that strong and then uh, finished with the end one early on in the game. And I'm going to get more Rob finished like that. And um, then that's going to make me much happier. So I'm going to give him my game all, I think. <laughs> all right. Well, so Andy's good. Uh, yeah, there sorry. Go. <laughs> um, I was trying to look up something and then I didn't get, didn't get back in time. Um, yeah, those are kind of the two that I looked at. I, I'll, uh, I think I'll give it to Rob just from an all-around standpoint. He did lead the team in rebounds and assists as well as uh, scoring the ten points. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, kind of sad. I don't know if that's yeah. You know, we're at this point. I think everything is graded on a curve a little bit, but uh, I, I guess I'll say Rob in a, in a game that you know I'm sure means a lot to him going back home and. Um, and and playing and playing at Purdue, uh, I, I did. I thought he came out strong again and tried to set the tone early, um, but you know missed some shots. Uh, you know missed did not shoot it well from three, but I thought did other uh, did other good things um, on on the court as well. So I'll give it to him from an overall perspective, and then we'll uh, we'll see what happens from there. So uh, now we get to go to the. If I can find it, here we are. And the Mike Roberts Real Hustle Award is presented by Evansville Security Services. And let's talk for a second about Evansville Security Services. It's the hometown of Calvert Cheney, so what more do you really need to know? ESS provides off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana. And in addition, Evansville Security Services offers an accident reconstructionist who can go all over the state find out more go to evansvillesecurityservices.com that's evansvillesecurityservices.com or call 812-214-1132 remember prevention cannot be measured let evansville security services help you prevent a bad outcome today uh kathy i'll give you the chance to uh weigh in on this one first uh anybody stand out to you from a, a mike roberts real hustle award perspective today yeah, I don't know if it counts as real hustle, but I'm definitely counting this as true grit. So I'm giving this to race. I mean, the the man got hit in the face, broke his nose in the practice, came back last game with a, a face shield on, got hit again, had to have a procedure done this week, was a game time decision, came in, um, had a terrible ankle roll and still tried to come back in after that. So I, I know stat wise, he wasn't there, but I, I thought he at least hustled <laughs> during the game. And I just really love the fact that he, it meant so much to him that he tried really hard to come back into that game and made a go of it after he hurt his ankle. So for me, I'm, I'm giving it to race. Uh, 
Ryan, what about you? How about the how about the Indiana women's team for waxing Purdue today, seventy four fifty nine, and finishing the right. best regular season mm. in program history? Uh, I don't think that counts for what we're doing, but I had to mention it. At some in, point. in the aggregate, IU basketball teams outscored Purdue basketball teams today. So uh, there you go. That's a, <laughs> if we could borrow some of their points, though. yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I think race is a good pick. Uh, I thought about him. I'll give it to Jordan Geronimo just because I liked his energy in nine minutes and. He got smacked in the head too, and I can't believe they didn't call a common foul on that. It wasn't it wasn't a, a flagrant on that elbow, but I mean, he caught an elbow from a guy who was in his space, so should have been a foul. Robbie Hummel pointed that out. Uh, you could also give it to the officials for working overtime to find a reason to give a technical to Indiana after they didn't when Archie Miller was actually yelling at them. Uh, that that took some that took some real gumption, uh, but. I'll, uh, I'm out yelling I'll, at him after that. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll give it to Jordan Geronimo, though. Oh uh, boy, where where, <laughs> where to where to really go here? Um, I'll go with I'll go with race as well. Um, I, I like him gutting it out. There was a question as to whether or not he would play, uh, and you know shows up like you said between games had to get another procedure because of getting hit again. Uh, against Michigan State, I thought there was a chance for them. They needed to review a play. I think with Gillis and Race Thompson early in the game, they didn't go to the monitor for that. They nope. did go. They did go for the Geronimo play, which I don't know ever really warranted replay review. It did warrant a foul call, but not not a replay review. Um, but yeah, I, I just think you know Race showing up. He's been a guy that night in night out shows up ready to play, no matter what his uh, physical situation is. And I thought that was. Uh, that was a, a good thing for him, so I'll give it to uh, I'll give it to Race, and uh, and we'll go in that direction. So if we look ahead to IU's next game, it th- they appear to be as best I could tell earlier locked into the ten seed, uh, which will be a Thursday tip. I think I saw somebody in the chat say it would be at six thirty, uh, so we can confirm that as we go. What I do not know is what the tiebreaker would be between Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Maryland if they all finished at ten and ten. And I am not certainly on the fly going to be able to figure that out. So it'll be one of those. We were teams. supposed to face Rutgers and then Rutgers won today. And I don't know how that changed. It, they won. If, what we, I saw. If, if Wisconsin loses at Iowa, which is a possibility, they would finish 10 and 10. And if Maryland wins against, I want to say Penn State uh, is who they who they play. They play somebody I think they'll beat. I think all three of them would be 10 and 10. And at that point, I don't know who the... Uh, who it would be, uh, but it does look like 6.30 on Thursday would be the uh, the game time for them as the 10 seed. So more, more and to Indiana, come on that. In, Andy, Indiana has to win the tournament to, to make the, the dance, right? Uh, yes, yes. Okay, and so I was just making sure we were at that point. Something I'm sure that makes us all feel really confident. Do we have a shot at the NIT at least? <laughs> you have I to think, be over 500 this I year. Don't think, I don't think you do. Uh, I think the NIT has kind of made it so they can pick whoever they want. They have scaled back the field, and they aren't giving auto bids to the uh, regular season champs of smaller conferences. Um, and so basically, so, so there's not the like auto bids to whatever. So theoretically, um, theoretically they could uh, they could play in the NIT, I believe. Unless I'm unless I'm mistaken, we'll find out more. As I wasn't sure if they had waived that that under 500. I think they I think they have. Um, I think they did it this year. I think in the past they've used some of the bids for those uh, kind of regular season champs that didn't make didn't get the auto bid in their leagues, Mm -hmm. and that's eaten up the field. But now I think it's 16 teams, and it's kind of whoever they uh, whoever they want. I'm sure there's probably within reason to that, but uh, but but I think that's how it's uh, how it's supposed to work. 
So, all right, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show as we close things up here. Uh, remember to check out our friends at Home Field Apparel. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. And with that, it's time for last call. Uh, Kathy, I will throw it to you first. Oh, boy, thanks. Um, <laughs> Same deep breath you took at the beginning of the game. Still still, still just processing it. That's what we do after the games in games like this. We, we, just, we just have to process it. So take your deep breath. We're all taking a deep breath. We're right there with you. All right. Yeah, I'm sad, right? I mean, everyone's sad. This is just so depressing. So I'm going to focus instead on my closing thoughts on non-men's basketball. I wanted to, like Ryan, give a shout out to our women's basketball team. They are on fire right now. What, eight, nine wins in a row now? Is it nine? I think it's nine. I think it's nine. Yeah. Yeah. Heading, heading in with a strong two seed. In it is nine. Tournament. Thank you. Um, but not just not just women's basketball, right? Like uh, last weekend, our women's swimming and diving finished third in the Big Ten Championships. This weekend, the men's swimming and diving championships are going on. Our, our team has um, actually got first place right now heading into the finals going into night um, with Michigan right behind us, which is really f- great. Um, our soccer team is hanging in there and doing some some things. Baseball's gotten started. So there's other things for Indiana for us that we should um, remember is out there for us that is enjoyable. And um, we can remember that as Indiana fans and alumni, uh, we can support all of our, our teams and continue to support our men's basketball, of course. But right now they just make me sad. So I'm going to focus on um, things that maybe make me less sad. <laughs> All right, Ryan, what do you got? So on February 17th, Indiana beat Minnesota by 10 in a pretty solid win. You know, it was a pretty safe win, as safe as anything has been this year. Uh, That made it so they had won three of four, including a win over Iowa and winning at Northwestern. The only loss was at Ohio State, who was number four at the time, playing exceptionally well. Indiana at that point was 12 and nine and and seven and seven in the Big Ten. Since then, they've lost five straight games. And four of those five losses have been against teams. They probably get entering the season. We would have said, you look at those teams and look what our expectations were at the beginning of the season. And you look at how those teams had played this year. And you'd say, you should beat win four of those five and they've lost all five. (laughs) And this is not the way to finish a season. And, And one of the things we were sold on when Archie Miller came from Dayton was that at the end of the year, his teams play the best. They improve all season long and they close the season. Well, that has not happened at Indiana. Last year, it happened a little bit, uh, but in general, it hasn't really happened in Indiana. And this now makes it, uh, we've lost nine straight to Purdue, and Archie Miller is 0-7 and honestly looks lost uh, when he's coaching against Matt Painter. That's not a good look when you're not making the NCAA tournament. And, and, and unless a miracle happens next week, Indiana is going to miss the NCAA tournament again. They would have made it last year. We've always said that. But three out of four years missing the NCAA tournament with some of the talent he's had and you know some of the recruiting battles he won and all of that stuff, to miss the NCAA tournament three out of four years is unacceptable. It's just not acceptable. And we're at a place right now with Indiana where things aren't getting better. The problems are the same. And the offense is a disaster. It's been a disaster. We jokingly said two years ago, kind of half joking, that he should hire an offensive coordinator. Just He, want, he wants to coach defense. He should have somebody come in and modernize the offense and make it real and something that works these days. Purdue, in some ways, did that, actually, in the offseason, bringing in Shrewsbury. 
as one of their assistants who worked with the Celtics for years and knows what a modern offense looks like. And they adopted that in a lot of ways. And he, you know, out of timeout calls, you see him running the huddle during timeout calls to get a good play offensively. Archie Miller has not improved his program in four years. We're at the end of the Big Ten season. I feel like I can talk about this now even more. The program hasn't improved. He's never been above 500 in the Big Ten. Was he above 500 his first year? Or was he at 500? No, I think they were, I want to say they were 9 and 11. Thing. 9 and 9. Yeah. I think they were 9 and 11. So, I think that was maybe the first year they played 20s. It wasn't, it wasn't over, I'm relatively certain. Okay. So he's never been above 500 in the Big Ten. That's again, what are we doing? We're Indiana. You know, it's you're supposed to be a, a premier program in the Big Ten and premier pro- program nationally, and you just haven't been there. And so I, I just don't know how you continue to do this and how you continue pushing this rock up the hill, especially unless Archie Miller is willing to make just massive, massive changes to the way he runs this program. And he doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to do that. So if you're Indiana, you have to decide how important basketball is to you and how important it is to the university and how much of your identity as a university is connected with basketball and the history of the basketball program. If it's not that important, then fine, don't make a move. But if it's important and it's something that means a lot to this university and to the people in this state that follow it, nothing's getting better. And and, and you're going to continue to do the same thing over and over and over again. And and we see it every week, and it's it's the same stuff. And that's where I'm at. I just don't know how you justify doing this again. And by the way, I looked it up. His first year, they were nine and nine in the Big Ten. Eight yeah, and twelve the next year. Nine and eleven the next year, and now seven and eleven this year. Seven and twelve, I guess, this year. So, you know that. I mean, that's where we're at as a program. We are a bottom tier Big Ten program. And if that's fine with you, continue moving forward with this. If it's not, they got to make a change. Yeah, I mean, I think this game had all the the hallmarks of of what this team has struggled with the entire season inconsistent play poor shooting a stretch in the first half where the defense was was really poor and and poor decision making in key moments from from guys on the floor it it it, it, you summed up I think Kathy you mentioned this you know the first eight minutes of the game were kind of like almost every game this season and and ultimately this game played out how so many games have played out this season where Played well enough, played hard enough to, and I, and I guess that's the one thing I would say. I don't feel like in in many games. I think there was one where, I think it was the Ohio State game. The effort wasn't wasn't really what you'd what you'd want to see. I don't feel like it's effort where guys are just getting punked because they're not out there playing hard. It's just the execution and the inconsistency has been unable. They've been unable to solve it, and at a certain point. You know, there's only so many things you can change, and and as I, you know, the tweet I pointed out from inside the hall earlier, at a certain point, guys have to make open shots. Can't be the the story that we tell game after game after game. And um, so I, I don't know that there's really a whole lot else to say, quite honestly. And I think these guys and this coaching staff and everybody just looks, and I think fans as we <laughs> sit here and do the show, I think everybody's just tired, um, tired from the season, tired from the way it's played out. Uh, and just kind of beaten down, and and I am not in any way equating the way that fans feel might feel beaten down by this team, the way the players play, and what they've, you know, kind of been forced to play through in terms of the testing regimen that they have, and all those kinds of things. I think they just look like a team who's just whooped, just tired, just um, like I said, just just kind of beaten down by the weight of everything that's happened and the way that they've played, uh, and that's 
sad on a variety of levels, quite frankly. But, um, you know, so we move forward to the Big Ten tournament. They got a little bit of time uh, before they play Thursday. Hopefully, from a health perspective, that helps guys like Race and Armand and uh, and others be ready to to step out and play. And um, in a year that lots of crazy things have happened, perhaps nothing would be crazier than IU making a run in the Big Ten tournament. But um, we'll we'll see. We'll uh, we'll be back. We'll keep the faith as best we can and. Be back to talk about it. I did want to end with the IU women's game. You know, seventy four fifty nine. It was a little bit closer uh, than people thought for a long stretch. They had really dominated Purdue uh, at Purdue, but uh, you know, twenty one eight outscored them in the fourth quarter. As the IU women's team continues to be a fourth quarter juggernaut out there, Mackenzie Holmes led the way, twenty six points, nine rebounds, three blocks. Um, another fantastic performance from her. So. Um, they're going to end up 16 and two in big 10 play. So, uh, a, a great, great job from Terry Morin and the, uh, and the program there. And so if you're looking to support an IU basketball team, we certainly would encourage you to continue supporting the men's team. Uh, but, uh, do the same for the women's team. They certainly deserve it and have played really well. And, uh, I don't feel you'll be disappointed if you tune in to watch them. It's a, it's entertaining basketball and they, uh, they play really well. So, all right. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produces a lot of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops with you again on Thursday after the Big Ten tournament game. Until then... Take it from me, A.J. Moyer. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and go. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All righty. Well, I don't know what else there is to say about that, quite frankly. So No. The only now other- us never, let us never speak of it again. Right. The only other thing I thought of, Andy, mentioning is your points of how Painter played um, Edie 21 minutes and only Williams 19, which to me, again, spoke of the difference and where our coaches are at and their their willingness. And I don't want to say ability because I'm I'm sure Archie has the ability to make in-game decisions and changes to the game plan, but willingness to do it. We don't have any evidence of that, Kathy. (laughs) Well, I I understand. (laughs) That is very fair, Ryan. I I totally get that. (laughs) Um, It just, and we see that all over the place. You know, um, Illinois bringing in, uh, I think it was just whatever, like an executive something or other from the NBA, right. To redo how they were playing. Yeah. I think they brought in um, some of the analytics stuff to talk about. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. They, I think Jess settles was talking about that with Alex on podcast on the brink. Yeah. They brought somebody yeah. in and basically had to tell Underwood, you can't play the way that you played at prior we're stops because it's not going to work here. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, I just, think that, you know, I just am baffled by the lack of willingness <laughs> <laughs> still hopeful Ryan he has the ability because I, I think we'll find out if we're we're going to be here with him again another year he's got to find the willingness if not the ability to make some changes because this I, is not going to work it, it's just I, not it's unacceptable yeah I really it, I really hope that things would change coming into this year that he would open things up a little bit that he would sort of change the way they were doing things and I would hope that there would be a much greater emphasis on guys shooting and being and improving his shooters I mean it's 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 become painfully obvious to me after three years. And we talked about this after year two, 
that they need to bring somebody in to help yeah. them shoot. And we joked about the shot doctor and all that stuff, but legitimately other programs bring guys in, hire guys specifically to train guys to shoot nowadays. You didn't do that in the 80s and 90s because the three-point shot wasn't that valuable. Now it is, and it's considered mm-hmm. such a huge part of the game because obviously analytics people have said, yeah, a, lo- a three is much better than a long two, guys. Yet this yep. team consistently shoots long twos, doesn't hit threes consistently. They'll have a game where they shoot the lights out from three, and then the next week, you know, go two of 12 or whatever. I mean, it's there's no consistency. And the fact that he hasn't done that and brought somebody in to change it, the fact that the free throw shooting at Dayton and here has been about the same and it's bad is tells me that he doesn't there's there's some disconnect there. And I think that it might have something to do with the fact that Archie was a really good shooter. So he doesn't really understand how other people can't do it, you know, and you need people to come in and you look at the shot, the shooting form of a lot of guys on this team. It's broken. It's not good. Even even the guys who have decent shooting form have things in their shot that can go wrong. Like Al over rotates a lot. Like it's it's just he's a lefty and he over rotates to the point when you know sometimes he'll release it and then his body rotates and sometimes he rotates as he's releasing it and that if you're rotating while you're shooting the angle is off. Yeah. And so he'll miss a bunch because in one game he's over rotating. If there's some guy on the bench that can be like, Hey, Al, you're over rotating, straighten your legs out, jump more with your right leg. So your left leg isn't overpowering and twisting your whole body. Like somebody there to, to say that to him could help. And somebody to work with him on that constantly could help, but they don't have anybody to do that. And, and their player and their player their, and their player development has been horrid. Yeah. In four years, it really has. Armand Franklin's the only guy that's made a sincere, crazy right. jump under Archie, and he did that himself with a hoop in his driveway right. this offseason because he wasn't allowed to work out with the team. Like, I'm sure they gave him stuff to do and everything, but he did it on his own, and that's how he became a better shooter. And so, I just see things like that happening, and I see year after year just not changing things. You might change assistance, but you're not changing the way you're doing things. And that tells me it's like, okay, I know the system can work regardless of what anyone else tells me or or the results. The system can work. We just need to be better. We just need to be better. We just need to be better. And you're not getting better. And yeah. so I, I just think that that's where we're at. It's a guy whose a system has always worked for him. It doesn't work in this conference. And it doesn't work with the players he has selected and put on his team. That's on him. And he's got to either change it or get the hell out. Like, that's yeah. where I'm at. And, and, you know, you can't, and a lot of folks want to continue blaming players for not making shots, but you can't keep saying that in year four. We have different players this year than we did four years ago. So that that's not an excuse to me that that flies either. So, yeah, you have to be willing to change. And I, I'm just, I am baffled by why it's taking this long and to be in this kind of a shape. Um, because it's it's hurting everything. I'm assuming, I mean, I don't see anything on the horizon that tells me that all of a sudden magically next year is going to be any better. Or you know, assuming Trace leaves and we have Logan Duncan coming in and we have um, Grant Parker, right? Parker, is his first name Grant? My brain just flew away. Parker, again, Parker Stewart. Parker Stewart. Parker Stewart, thank you. <laughs> I was half right. Um, you know, he's supposed to be a fantastic shooter, but so were a lot of these kids in, in high school. You know, Lander was supposed to be a fantastic shooter. He comes in, and he looks like he's shooting at a 45-degree angle. He's not even squared up. Yeah. Just, yeah. And, and, and honestly, if you go back to some of the scouting reports we did, I think the only guy I really loved as a shooter and loved his shooting form coming in was Anthony Leal. I mean, Demise Anderson was probably the second-best 
results shooter, and I I tore him apart. In in, 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 in it, it was actually kind of mean. He he just he had his form was was terrible, but it, I, somehow they went in. I don't know. He had plenty of time to shoot, I guess. But um, but yeah. you know, Lander, we talked about his shooting form when he was a recruit. It's it it needs to change. I mean, it's and it happens. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, as as uplifting as this is, I need to wrap up because my daughter turns ten tomorrow, and we need to celebrate a little bit tonight because we're going to be at soccer. Get out of there all day tomorrow. So I got to finish and uh, get the file posted so we can get the podcast up. So uh, we, okay. can save this, right. we can save this. Thanks uplifting, for hopping on both of you. We can save this yeah. uplifting discussion for a, a future time. So anyway, Kathy, yeah. appreciate you joining us again. As always, it's been uh, awesome having you a few times Thank over you. the course of the season. So uh, appreciate that. Ryan, thanks for joining us as always. And we'll talk to everybody yeah, on right. Thursday uh, after the uh, big 10 tournament game. All right. Thanks after everybody. <laughs> Bye. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.